service so good, I don't have to ask you to stand. Amen. I think I'm going to talk about the resurrection today. What do you think? I want to talk to you today about something that I was really thinking about this week. The Easter kind of faith. The Easter kind of faith. Just call this Easter faith. And I'm going to put Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24 up there. And we're going to jump right in the middle of Simon Peter's first gospel message. When he finished this message, 3,000 people got saved. It was the beginning of the church, the launch of the church. And so let's just dive in. He says, men of Israel. Now, remember, huge Pentecost crowd, huge crowd. And look what he says to them. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know him. Now notice, he's telling them, you know exactly who I'm talking about. You know about this Jesus I'm, I'm talking about right now. You, you heard him. You saw him do miracles. You know exactly. This is no mystery to you. Now he's about to turn the screw. Look what he says. He was delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. But you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. It's like if I looked at you and said, you killed him. Strong words. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Because it wasn't possible that he should be held by death. It wasn't possible. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word on this Resurrection Sunday. I thank you, Lord, that you did rise from the dead on our behalf. And I pray that this truth will be brought home to every person in this sanctuary, everyone watching by video, everyone listening by radio. I pray, bring it home. <clears throat> in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he has risen indeed. Now, let me just talk to you for, in, in a real simple way about the Easter kind of faith. What is Easter faith? What does it mean? If you have Easter faith, here's what you believe. That the resurrection was an actual occurrence in which Jesus Christ rose bodily from the dead. And that sets him apart as clearly unique among all human beings who ever lived. There's nobody like Jesus ever in the history of the world. So if you have Easter faith, then you believe he rose bodily, literally, from the dead. Not figuratively, not metaphorically, not poetically, but literally he rose from the dead. Now, if you believe that, then you have Easter faith. But I want to tell you, there's millions of people flooding churches all over America and the world uh, right now who do not have Easter faith. Now, there's many who do, but there's a lot of reasons people go to church on an Easter Sunday. It's the thing you're kind of supposed to do. It's when you can show off your new dress, your new suit, your new hat. I don't see any hats in here, but you know what I'm saying. People go to church for many different reasons. And on Easter, you can ask some people, 
Well, why are you here? Well, I don't know. I have some people that pat me on the back every year and say, Pastor Jeff, you bless me every year. <laughs> and I want to know what that means. Because if I blessed you, why didn't you come back? <laughs> but I get it. Because Easter is the time we go to church. Okay? But why? What's Easter faith? Some people have faith in the power of government. Do you ever stop and think about that? Because everybody has faith in something. Everyone here right now has faith in something. You have your faith somewhere. Because God made us that way. He hardwired us to have faith in something. uh, Ultimately in him. But it got derailed and discombobulated in the fall. So now we put faith in a lot of things. Some put faith in government to meet all their basic needs. Take care of them, provide for them, be there for them, cradle to grave. The government is my answer. And that tribe is increasing in our nation today. Then there are some people that have faith in themselves, and that's a good thing to, to a point. But they believe in me. I have faith in me. I'm going to get me out of the problems, the challenges that I encounter, my intellect, my talent, my ability, my willpower. I'm going to get through all of these challenges. I believe in myself. And that's ingrained in us in the American culture. I believe in myself. Others have faith in religion. And what is religion? Religion is not Christianity, though Christianity is called a religion, but it's not. Religion is man's best effort to get to God. And Christianity is man or is God's effort to reach man. Religion says, do, 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 and you will work your way into heaven. Christianity says, done, done, done. Jesus paid it all. That's the difference. I, uh, and, and, and this belief that, you know, I'm just basically a good person and that's what's going to get me into heaven and make me right with God because I'm basically fundamentally, I, I'm a good person. And we believe that. I, I read a quote today from former New York Mayor Bloomberg that I just, I read it and I said, perfect for my message. I'm going to quote him. Now here's religion. He said, I'm telling you, I'm quoting him now. I am telling you, he said, if there is a God, well, that's a great start. When I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I have earned. Now, there's the operative word, earned. I have earned. I have earned my place in heaven. It's not even close, end quote. Now, when you're leaning on yourself and leaning on your own good works and you're a religious person, there it is right there. I've earned. I am good enough to get in. But the Bible says none of us are. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Have you ever lied? If you ever lied, you broke one commandment, the Bible says you've broken them all. You ever stolen anything? Ever taken God's name in vain? If you break one commandment, you've broken them all. So we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so we we can't earn our way in. That's not the message of Christianity. You be a good little Christian and you'll earn your way in. No, Jesus earned our way in. That's the difference. And it's a huge difference. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, our nation is also filled with people that have faith in other gods. Man, there's, there's 
a million gods in America now to pick from. You can believe in Buddhism's Buddha, Islam's Allah, Hinduism's Brahma. How about atheism's evolution? All our faith goes into something that is somehow going to take care of me. But that is not the message of the Christian faith. That's not the message of Easter. That's not the Easter kind of faith. The Easter kind of faith is faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which means that we believe that Jesus was and is the Son of God. It's totally unique. And it's so often misunderstood. It, it, it drives me nuts sometimes. The way I hear Christianity redefined, misdefined, but not made clear in our culture. So do you have Easter faith today? Faith in Jesus himself. Not just believe that he was back there as a historical figure, but faith that he was and is the Son of God. Now, the Easter kind of faith embraces three certainties that I want to share with you today. Three simple certainties. And, And if you have these, then you have the Easter faith. Here's the first one. Easter faith is certain that God raised Jesus from the dead. Certain. Not maybe so, hope so, perhaps so, but certain. I am certain that God raised him from the dead. Now, the text we read, it says in verse 24, God raised him. This is what Peter told that crowd. God, you killed him, but God raised him from the dead. Now, there's a little myth floating around. Well, there's several, really. But one of them is when he was taken down from the cross, he wasn't fully dead. So he was taken down from the cross. He wasn't fully dead. And he, and he was put into the tomb, but he still wasn't dead. So he kind of got better when he was in the tomb. And that's how he got out because he revived from being really hurt, but not killed in the tomb. Baloney. The cross does something to people. The cross kills people. Listen to what the Bible says. Jesus died on that cross It says, while Jesus was on the cross, he cried with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And when you breathe your last, you're dead. While the Roman soldiers approached Jesus to break his leg so that he wouldn't remain on the cross on the Sabbath, they didn't want those uh, that had been crucified, still hanging there on the Sabbath day. So they said, go break their legs so that'll accelerate the death on the cross because then they can't hold themselves up. But then when they got to Jesus to break his legs, it says in John nineteen thirty three, they saw that he was already dead. He was already dead. And the Bible says that Pontius Pilate, the governor who had ordered his crucifixion, quote, marveled that he was already dead. So there's historical Evidence, proof, attestation that Jesus died on that cross. We're told that a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea asked for the dead body of Jesus. He took the dead body of Jesus down, held it, and then wrapped it in linen and laid it in a tomb. And it happened to be his own tomb, Joseph's tomb. He was rich and he'd already bought his, essentially his grave plot. And he put Jesus in there saying, I'll let him have it not knowing that he was going to get to use it anyway. But 
But here's the deal. The Bible's account doesn't end there, and that's why we're here today. It contends over and over and over again, repeatedly, the message of the Bible is that all the disciples, along with Mary Magdalene and a band of other women, discovered his tomb was empty. Luke records this. They found the stone that had covered the entrance, a giant, heavy stone that had covered the entrance, rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. It was gone. Mark tells us, entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. The angel said, yes, he was crucified, but he is risen. He is risen. He said, he is not here See the place where they laid him. And he pointed over to the place where Jesus had been laid down. See where they laid him. And there were the grave clothes, but no body. There was no body. The body of Jesus was gone because he passed right through those grave clothes. And the stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus to get out. It was rolled away so we could get in and see that he'd gotten out. That's why. Now, what a lot of people don't realize, here's what I've been amazed at, is how few people know some of the things that Jesus said. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. The religious folk, he said, are going to kill me. He would be killed, he said. But then he looked at his disciples in the eyeball and said this to them. But on the third day, the Son of Man will be raised from the dead. Now I want you to stop and think about that. If I told you, hey, uh, uh, it's not going to be long before some people are going to kill me. But don't worry about it because three days later, I'm going to come back from the dead. You would get on the phone while I wasn't looking. And make a little call to the men in white uniforms, right? Because that's psychosis, that's delusion. Unless you are not normal. Unless you are not a typical man. Unless you are who you said you are. And what did Jesus say? He said, I am the Son of God. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, me. That whoever believes on Him would not perish, but have life everlasting. That person will never die. He said that. The Bible tells us that at the time of his resurrection, a mighty angel of God had rolled the stone away from the entrance and had been seen by the Roman guards placed there by Pilate to guard it. Here you've got a, a, a whole slew of manly men, Roman guards, soldiers by nature. And suddenly a being appeared, folks. An angelic being, white like lightning. And moved that stone away like it was made of styrofoam and sat on it. And the Bible says that the Roman guards saw it and shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And I guess so. So would I. Here's this mighty angel, moves the stone, sits on it. The Roman guards had nothing to say. They fell like dead men. And they reported to Pilate what they had seen. That's amazing. 
I love the fact they shook for fear. I love the fact that they couldn't keep a good man down. I love the fact that Jesus could not be contained in that tomb. Amen? So the tomb was clearly empty. This is actually one of the the least contested points surrounding the resurrection. You can ask professional scholars, secular or religious, and they'll all tell you there was a man named Jesus. He died on a cross. He was buried, and his tomb turned up empty. They'll tell you that. It's a fact of history, believe it or not. If you had heard the apostles preaching after the resurrection and after the day of Pentecost, you would have heard them preaching about the resurrection. That was their message. They preached on the resurrection and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Their message was you killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And they, they took beatings for saying this, were imprisoned for saying this, but they kept on saying it Telling the authorities, we cannot but speak of the things we have seen and heard. And we know that Jesus was dead and now he is alive. We have seen him. We have touched him. We have eaten with him. We have heard him. He is risen indeed and we must preach it. So if you have Easter faith, then you believe that Jesus literally rose from the dead. Do you have Easter faith today? Do you have Easter faith today? Really? And and do some of you need to think about it because maybe you've confused church with Christ, just being in a church building with being a true disciple because being in a church building doesn't cover your sins or mine any more than sitting in the garage turns you into a car. You must Come to him. Now, secondly, because of Jesus' resurrection, not only am I certain that God raised him from the dead, but he that has Easter faith is certain that death is not a thing to be feared because Jesus rose from the dead. Now, let me make a distinction. If you don't know Christ, death is a thing to be feared. But if you do, death is not to be feared any longer. It says in our text that Jesus loosed the pains of death. This means that literally Jesus defeated the number one enemy of all mankind, and that is death. You know, we think we have enemies, communist enemies, socialist enemies, Marxist enemies, terrorist enemies, and we do. But the number one enemy of mankind is death, D-E-A-T-H, death. Where in the world did it come from, the grim reaper? Where? The Bible tells us. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Sin came into the world by one man, Adam, and sin, watch this, brought death with it. See, when God's law was broken, when Adam and Eve fell, and they did, and there wasn't Adam and Eve, and when they fell, it says, death spread to all men because all have sinned. So death spread to every living thing. It was never God's plan that you and I would die. It was never God's plan that anything living would die. We were to have eternal life in the beginning, but sin brought death with it. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, I'm not a sinner. Yes, you are. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. 
No, not one. We've all fallen short. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of all of us. So we needed a redeemer. We needed forgiveness. We needed somebody to deal with the sin issue. And that's what Jesus did when he was born, lived, died, and rose again. On that cross, your sins and mine were covered if we put our faith in him. Sin came into the world by one man, Adam. Sin brought death with it. Death spread to all men because all of sin. So death is the result of sin. But then death brought another goodie with it. And here's the goodie that death brought with it. Fear of death. The fear of death. Hebrews 2.14 says, It is true that Jesus became a man like us. He died as we must die. Through his death, he destroyed the power of the devil who has the power of death. Only in this way could he set free, watch this, those who have lived their entire lives as slaves to the fear of dying. I have a theory about fear. I believe that almost every fear that torments men has its root in the fear of death. The writer here says, mankind lives his life out in fear of that moment when he must die. Fear is the root of death. It is rooted in death. Fear comes from knowing that we're going to die. Death is the ultimate boogeyman. The stalking shadow in the back of everybody's mind. When you're young, you never think about it. But the older you get, the closer that grim reaper comes. And that shadow gets closer. That stalker called death. You know that one day you're going to have to die. Listen, one thing is certain, and there's more than taxes. It is we're all going to die. We all have a date with death unless Jesus comes again and raptures us. And wouldn't that be great? But if he doesn't, we're all going to face death. And Jesus died and defeated death so that we would not have to be afraid of it anymore. The person with Easter faith is no longer a slave to the fear of death. They know that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And so will they be when Jesus Christ returns again. There's no more fear of death. Now, I, there's a story. I, 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 I preside over many, many funerals in my ministerial career. And, and there, there's a story I like to tell every time. And I've told it here before, but I can't find a better one, so I'm going to tell it. Because a lot of people wonder, how did Jesus destroy death? How did he do it? I don't get it. That makes sense to me. I'll tell you a simple story. A man and his daughter driving down the highway on a beautiful spring day like today. Windows are down. All of a sudden, in flies a bee. The little girl's about seven, eight years old. She sees the bee, freaks out. The bee's in the back seat and the front seat, flying around their heads. Daddy, 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 the bee's going to sting me. He said, no, he won't, honey. He's going to fly back out in just a second. Don't worry. But the bee didn't. He keeps flying around. Daddy, 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 the bee's going to sting me. Finally, the father, exasperated, reaches out and grabs the bee in his hand. The bee stings him. And he throws the bee out the window. He says to the little girl, there, baby, he can't hurt you anymore. Now listen, church. The whole human race, whether they knew it or not, was and is saying, Daddy, 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 the bee of death is going to sting me. It's going to sting me. And God finally said, all right, I send my only begotten son. And Jesus died on the cross. 
And when Jesus was dying on that cross, the Bible says, listen to this, he tasted death for every man. He took death and it stung him. And then he threw it away, as it were, and says to you and me, put your faith in me and he can't hurt you, baby, anymore. That's the way it works. That's death. So Paul says, oh, death, where is your sting? And oh, grave, where is your victory? Because Jesus destroyed death on the cross. Now watch this. There's one last thing Easter faith is certain of. It's certain that Jesus is alive and well today. Easter faith is certain that Jesus is alive and well today. It says it was impossible for death to hold him. So if death couldn't hold him, then he's on the loose. And I want you to know that Jesus is moving in the earth today. He's alive and well today. John, the apostle saw a vision of him in the book of revelation and Jesus spoke to him. And here's what he said to John. He said, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. You know what I like about the story of the gospel is that Satan doesn't even have the keys to his own house anymore. He really doesn't because he has the key of death, hell, and the grave. Those were his keys. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he marched right up to the devil and said, thank you, sir. I will take those keys. Death, hell, and the grave are now on my belt, not yours. Jesus slipped right out of death's grasp. It couldn't hold him because he was the prince of life. Now I want to ask you a question today. I want you to really listen carefully to what I'm going to say. Because we're here for Easter. Celebrating Easter, that's great. But what are we celebrating? Jesus died for us. He rose again from the dead. For what? So that we could be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin and the consequences of sin. That's why. That's why Jesus came. Now I'm going to read you. Something else he said after I make this one statement. This is the most important statement. I've made this whole message. Here it is. Listen carefully. Easter faith is the only faith that can save your soul. Easter faith is the only one. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe I don't have to be afraid of death because of his resurrection. And I believe he's alive and well today and he saves. The Bible says when he rose again, he ascended into heaven and he is right now seated at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for you and for me. Now, Easter faith is the only faith that can save your soul. Now, I'm not talking about just saying, yeah, I believe there was a historical Jesus back there 21 centuries ago. Yeah, I believe he was back there. Oh yeah, I believe he was a real man. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about putting your faith in him. You have faith that God gave you and you put that faith in him and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, be my savior and Lord, I repent. And when you say repent, here's what it means. It means you're going one way down a road and you repent, you turn around and you go the other way and you let Jesus take your life. 
So you're going down that broad road that leads to destruction, but when you repent, you turn and you get on the narrow road that leads to life. You give your life to him. You turn your life over to him as Savior and Lord, boss man of your life. That's what it means. And when you do, here's the miracle. He comes into your heart and changes your life. Listen to what Jesus said. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in me. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in me. But anyone who does not believe in me has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. Wow. Now listen to this one. That is why I said to you, you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Now what does that mean? It means you will die without your sins ever having been covered. You will die and must answer for your sins. That's what it means. You'll face God with no attorney. That's what it means. So I'm going to ask you again, do you have the Easter kind of faith? If you do, have you looked up and said, oh God, I believe that you sent your son. I believe he died and rose again from the dead on, on my behalf. And have you said, forgive me and come into my heart where Easter happens on the inside of you. You are raised from the spiritual dead. Now I'm going to ask us to stand together today, can we? And I'm going to ask there be as little movement as possible because people are praying right now and it's very important there's no distractions. So let me just ask you to bow your head in prayer. Bow your head for just a moment of prayer. And let me ask you today, have you ever done this? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you looked up with the faith that God has given to every man, every woman, every young person, and said, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of the sins I've committed, and change me, transform me, live in me, guide my life from this moment forward. I'm going to invite you to do that right where you stand, right now. Many have done it already all weekend long. And I want to say something as we bow for prayer. When God touches your heart, that's the time to respond to him. The Bible says we can't even come to him unless he draws us, touches our heart. So I want to encourage you right now, if if you've got a question in the back of your mind about whether or not Jesus has ever really come into your life, I want you to do it. Now I'm going to say a simple prayer and right where you are, I want you to pray it with me and let's settle the issue. Let's come to him and respond to his grace. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again from the dead so that I could be saved from sin and its consequences and so that I could receive a new life a new beginning in you Lord I extend my faith to you and I ask you to come into my heart right now 
and be my Savior and Lord. And now, before we stop praying, I want those of you who may have drifted from God, you're not walking in the discipleship you used to walk in. You're not walking close like you used to walk. You've drifted for whatever reason. You've drifted. And I want you to know that God loves you today. And he wants you to come home. So pray this with me, if that's you, and say, Lord, forgive me for drifting. I come home right now to walk in discipleship with Jesus Christ. Putting him first in my life. Amen. Now with our heads bowed, if you prayed either one of those prayers with me, would you just slip your hand up in the air here today? God bless you. Many, many, many of you. Many of you. I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I want you to take a walk for Jesus. You know, this is the beginning. And... There's something about walking with Jesus that you're going to have to take a stand for him daily. So I'm going to ask you to take a walk for him right now. I want to pray with you right down here if you prayed that prayer with me. I want to meet you and I want to pray with you. It's very important we do this. Say, why do I need to come down there? Because you take a step and it's a step of faith. It is sort of like setting your faith where it ought to be. That you're not ashamed to take a stand for Jesus. So I want you to forget about everybody else in here because we've all been in the same position. And so if you raise your hand, would you slip out and come right now? Come quickly. Just tell your feet to begin to walk. And I want to say a prayer with you right down here. Come on. Come down. Thank you, Lord. From all over this building.